1: Hello there, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Sessions. We're excited to have you and we're really excited to have with us today, Mary Cicchini of Living Big. Hey, Mary, it's nice to have you. Oh, thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Well, we are excited to hear this story. I have to say, um, Elizabeth and I were just chatting before we got on the phone with you, and she said, I'm so excited for this interview. We haven't heard anything like this before. So why don't we dig right into your business? Tell us a little bit about Living Big.
0: Sure thing. Well, so Living Big Travel is a company I started, gosh, almost five years ago. Hard to believe it's been that long. But it's a company I started to really support women in their ambitions and desires to travel and to see the world and to go on adventures and to connect with other women. And so I, I do that today primarily through the hosted trips that I um, offer for women, as well as the private travel design services I offer that, that really are there to su- support women in whatever way they need to, to get out on the road.
1: So can you, you said some fancy things like um, you (laughs) talked about travel design and your hosted adventures. Can you break that down a little bit more for us so we have a real sense of what you do at Living Big Travel?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the hosted adventures, those are trips for small groups of women, uh, generally between eight and 12 women that choose which trip they want to go on. Um, I organize them, I design them, I've actually researched them all before I offer them. And then they join along on the trip. So for example, this year, we'll be taking groups of women on trips to um, Kauai and Croatia, Iceland, Italy, New York, uh, and a number of other destinations. So those women show up, and everything is really um, designed, produced, and 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 it's just there for them to enjoy. So either myself or another woman on my team is there as the trip host to make sure everything comes to life, um, all the logistics, how to figure out where to get there and how you know which way to go, and picking up the tab, and really taking all the work out of the travel while also being there as a resource to connect the women with each other and the experiences that they're having. So those are the hosted. That's kind of a, how the hosted trips work. Um, the way the travel design work is. Let's say a woman calls me, and and generally it's a woman because they're more often not tasked with planning the travels that they take with their friends or their family um, or their you know network of friends, and so they call me and say, "Mary, I need help with um, X, Y, and Z. Can you help me pull this trip uh, together?" And then I'll step in to help them in whatever way they need to make that trip a reality. So it could be destination selection it could be route planning ground transportation flights finding amazing meals connecting with you know whatever their experiences are that they're wanting to have and i uh, take all the work out of it for them so that really when they show up on that vacation they don't have to be the ceo um they can
1: actually just relax and enjoy and have a great time and in the travel design are you there with them Nope. That's no. actually okay. where
0: I plan it remotely. I call it travel design because, um, some people will call it actually a travel agent. Uh, mm-hmm. but I operate in just such a very different and non-conventional way than the everyday travel agent. And so, um, travel design is how I've really branded that experience. So to separate it and separate it from what people generally think of when they think of a travel agent.
1: Very smart. We're big on branding over here. So <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. So let me ask now, if I'm a single person, I don't mean single or married. I just mean one person who is wanting to do an adventure. That's the hosted travel. That's where I fit in. Or if there's three, me and my two best friends want to do it, we can also do the hosted travel. And that would include other women that we don't know. And then you're planning all of that. And then you're actually taking us along with you, you or one of your hosted agents. Yep. That is exactly it. it. Yep. We got it. We know what you do now, Mary. Woo-hoo! We got it. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background. Like how does one do this? Were you backpacking in Europe post-college and said, I don't want this to end? Or how did this all come to be?
0: Well, you know, I really took a non conventional route. Um, I started with a Hit stop in Washington D.C. and I worked in D.C. for a while, but when I was there, it wasn't so much on the policy side. I was actually producing events, and so that's really where I kind of got my um, training wheels as a producer and coordinator of lots of you know complex and multifaceted days and events with so many moving parts. Um, I, I moved from D.C. out to Portland, which is you know where I um, where I grew up, and I started working actually in the event marketing world. So I was kind of slowly picking up you know lots of little uh, pieces and, and skills that I would later use, um, you know, as a business owner in the travel world. But I um, started working in event marketing, I started producing live events and, and doing all sorts of fun kind of event management work for uh, marketing clients uh, later, kind of moved full ho- uh, in, excuse me, I moved in house um, being a marketing manager for a, a CPG company. And to be honest, I got to this point where I realized I'd been on this like sprint for years of just like hustling like crazy, and I was really like moving up this corporate ladder in large part, because I think other people thought I would be good at certain things. And I think in lieu of having like a very clear vision for what I want in my life, I was kind of just going through the motions of climbing these ladders, because that's kind of what I felt like I was supposed to do and what Mm. other people were validating. And um, I got to this point where I was, I was just really unhappy. Like I, I wasn't fulfilled by the work, the work wasn't bringing me joy. There were things happening in my personal life that weren't offering any sort of reprieve from this negative work environment. And I... I, I just kind of had to take a time out. I was like, I remember thinking like, this is not what I imagined adulting to be like. This is not. <laughs> this, it never is, is it? Mary. <laughs> I don't I'm like, is this it? I was probably, like, gosh, I think I was like 28 at the time thinking like, oh my gosh, how do I get a redo? Um, and so I did what I had previously done. And that was really look to travel as a place of solace and comfort and a place that offered perspective but I needed to do it in a bigger way than I had done in the past. Like a two week vacation was probably not going to cut it and help me um, figure out what I wanted my next season of life to look like. And so I ultimately made a plan that in one year's time, I would um, quit my job. And so in that one year, I actually moved in with my parents, I saved a lot of money and, and really used it as opportunity to hit reset. And so ended up kind of following that plan after a year of of planning and saving and like emotionally getting ready to quit my job, which, you know, a lot of people in my world, I think thought were thought it was so crazy. I, I try, I got on a plane, I made my way to Istanbul. I started in Turkey and made my way West. And, you know, it was really like the best thing I ever did because I was able to like be thoughtful about what it is that I wanted my next season to look like. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a, a lot of things that happen in that journey, uh, you know, just, the, just the opportunity to learn how to be your own best friend and being comfortable um, traveling alone. And so I, I came home on the other end of that, not actually with a business plan, but I had a better sense of what was important to me. And so I, I really took, you know, the things that are important to me and like a mashup of my past skills as a producer and as a marketer and as a traveler and as a host. And I was, also, I had heard from a lot of women while I was traveling expressing interest and in like, how do I do it? I'm scared to go. You know, my, my husband hates travel. Like, I would hear all of this. And so, you know, a lot of it kind of came together in um, what's now like a very surreal, magical moment, how all those circumstances came together and led me to just the idea of testing, like hosting trips for women. Um, And, you know, I did my first trip was in the fall of 2014. It was in Costa Rica. And I remember feeling in that moment, like, like the traveling Santa, I was just thinking, like, (laughs) oh, my gosh, like, everything like felt magic. Like, I remember being so excited every day, knowing like, what what all these women were about to experience and how much they love it and you know like and that was really where the producer came in where I was trying to think of like how you know how can I how can I structure this day so that like magical highs all happen kind of at the right time and you know, how do I make sure like, you know, there's cold beer waiting at the end of the trail and, you know, just
1: when you yes, need please. certain things, yeah.
0: they're all coming together. And, um, so, you know, sorry, that was a bit of a long story, but no, it, it was just really, a great think, story and a, a collection of things that happened in my career that gave me experience kind of, you know, thinking on my feet and handling crisis and being there to support women and navigating all the X factors that come with traveling and, and how building a brand and marketing. And so, gosh, you know, there's not a degree you'd study that would have given, I think, this random collection of skill sets. But I'm uh, pretty grateful that life kind of worked out this way. Sure. Or is working out this way.
1: One of the things, or the, I guess what I come away with as you tell that story, so we're putting together a, we call it the Liberty Editorial Journal, and it's essentially a a biannual magazine. And I had just tasked somebody with writing a particular story about Um, work versus passion and how to pursue really just your curiosities and kind of shelf passion for a while because it's so intimidating and I think it can stump people. And as you were talking, I was like, this is sort of, this validates that you didn't say I'm, you didn't start out with, I'm passionate about travel. So how do I work a business into it? It was, I'm going to do the things that are meaningful to me. And as you did it, you were able to work backwards or work forward actually into yeah. what is that experience how do i curate that how do i use my skill set both former and existing um you know former experience and existing skill set to really curate something that's meaningful both in my own life and for the lives of the people that i want to serve my customers and so i love that you're telling that story because again it's evidence of of this notion of just pursue what you're curious about and and uncover things and what comes of it will inform next steps. So thank you oh, for that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, and, and it. you know,
0: I have a a mentor of mine that I spent a lot of time with um, leading up to this kind of first big solo journey. And I remember, you know, she had so so much wisdom. But one of the things that I was constantly hearing in my mind as I was traveling is that I, you know, like people would always say, like, "Oh my gosh, Mary, what's your job? What are you gonna do next? What are you do next?" And I was trying to like kick that thought to a side and not focus so much on what I'm going to do or exactly how my life will manifest, but think about like what are the things that are most important to me, mm-hmm. and then how do I shop around for various types of ways of supporting myself so I can, you know, pay rent and you know do all those things that will help bring kind of those that lifestyle to life that will help bring that best version of me to life. And so when I came home from that trip, like I said, I did not have a business plan for living big travel. It was very much a list of how I want to feel and how I want to impact people and what kind of lifestyle do I want? And, you know, what are, what am I willing to do, um, like, what, what about my daily schedule to look like? And so honestly, I spent like a couple of years testing a whole bunch of different ways I could do that. I worked at a cafe. I worked with a traditional travel agency. I worked, um, I did freelance marketing work. I mean, it was like a very chaotic time in my life, but I'm grateful because out of that process, one of the things I tested was being a trip host. And so that's where it kind of felt like, okay, this is how I want to feel. And this version of me is, is showing up in the world. And I think, you know, when those things are all firing there's like a, I don't know, maybe it's the math equation of happiness in life, but it felt like it equaled, you know, happiness, which is how I, you know, feel today. Not that it's not a hustle, but Sure,
1: sure. No, and sure how I, th- I feel. thank you for saying that. I appreciate the honesty there. I think sometimes we, we hear these stories and our listeners in particular are putting it all together and say, how do I get to that same happiness quotient that Mary was able to get to? And I think it's important to say, it's still a hustle. It's still hard work, even though I'm doing something that is important to me and that I'm excited about doing and that fires me up and seems to use my skills and talents. It's still, there's still a grind involved. It's just a meaningful grind and it has purpose and it's connecting um, all the dots that equal you and where you want to go. So I appreciate that. Let me ask a question about, so you talked a lot about not having a business plan you didn't that you didn't come back from that trip and then there were all these other jobs freelance and otherwise along the way when did you start to go from sort of this okay this is what i want to do and 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 go emerge from ideation into creating something that had some semblance of being a business like Where were you in the process? Had you already hosted one trip and came back from that trip and then started putting things together? What was that like for you?
0: It was actually after I hosted my first trip because I wasn't sure if I'd like it. And I, I think it's a question that I always challenge people to ask themselves is that if you're passionate about something... And if you think you you know might be so passionate that you're willing to figure out how to monetize it and make a living off of it and thrive off of it, well, then you got to test it. And so I, I really took that same approach to that first trip in Costa Rica. Like I hadn't built a website. I didn't have, you know any sense of strategy in the brand or in social media, because I wanted to test it. And so after that first trip, it's when I really felt like the energy from the work. And I felt like I was hitting like a natural rhythm of where my, you know, how my strengths were coming to life. Um, it's that moment I sat down, uh, with a woman who I still work with today and she helps with a lot of technical aspects and, you know, built the bones of the website and really helped figure out, um, how living big comes to life online, like that's kind of when it became real. Because otherwise it was just in my head and I wasn't really sure how it was all going to translate. And so I think once she started putting it in this visual format and I started seeing how I could offer multiple trips and how this could kind of be a thing and it could take Mm -hmm. off, like that's when it became real.
1: And did you put? Uh, did you pick a destination and just say, okay, I'm going to take a bunch of women here, and it was a popular destination? Or did you have some women who came to you and said, we want to go here, and you said, okay, let me try to do this? After you hosted a trip on sort of somebody else's – it sounds like that, that first hosting trip was with another organization, right? It wasn't a, a living big –
0: no, it was actually a living big trip. Oh, okay, like I okay. I really just, um, the first trip to Costa Rica was really a trip that I, I built based on previous travels there. And I, I really built it based on how I could recreate some of my favorite experiences that I had there. Everything from my favorite little hotels to the, the restaurants I love to, you know, the, the storytellers that I met on my own journeys there. And so that was the first trip. But then once I started thinking about really expanding it and making it, uh, giving it a go, trying to make it a business. I picked destinations based on places I was really passionate to share with people. And that's honestly how I, even to this day, pick destinations. Um, I'm sure there's like a list of places they say you should take people here and those trips will always sell out. But um, so much of my interest in the showing up every day for the hustle is recreating my favorite experiences and opening doors to places that women might otherwise have felt out of reach because they couldn't figure out how to get there or couldn't figure out how to like make it the trip that they saw in their head. And so um, even to this day, that's how I pick destinations. That's how I choose which destinations I'm going to research. And I just truly believe that I think when the work is coming to life with the momentum of my passion driving it like that, that's going to be the the best work.
1: And and the women that are coming to you, so are they coming because they've heard of your reputation and picking these unique destinations or within a destination these you know boutique hotels or restaurant experiences or hikes or what, whatever it is that you particularly do or is it that they're coming together to be with other women and to have an adventure and it doesn't really matter what the destination is It's actually a little bit of both
0: I mean there are a number of women that I travel with that will email me and say, "Oh my gosh, I've wanted to go to Switzerland my entire life. I just saw your company sign me up." Mm-hmm. And there's other women where I get the sense that it doesn't really matter where it is. Like they're looking for uh they're looking to tap into a community of women. Um they want to travel with a group. You know, they're you know, certainly they're interested in what that itinerary is. Some itineraries are more focused on culture, some are more focused on activity. So There's a bit of that, but I I get the sense that they would go anywhere. Like, they're just looking for that kinship. They're looking for that community. Um, And I I think they are attracted to my travel style, which um, I have gone on other um, tours and it is different. Like, you know, what a lot of my clients will tell me is that it feels like, you know, we're just like a big group of girlfriends all on a trip. Um, But the trip host, uh, whether it's me or someone else, my team just happens to be the one to point us in the right direction every day and, and pick up the tab. And, you know, that's, that's really like the goal. Like, I want them to feel like it is just a fun trip. There's a lot of flexibility built into it. But I want them to feel like they're getting good value. And that's part of the part of the value that comes with being with someone who spent a lot of time in that country is like we, you know, myself or the other trip hosts know how to effortlessly build a schedule of a day so that you're, you're seeing a lot, you're doing a lot, you're feeling a lot, you're learning a lot, eating a lot. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't feel like you're being hustled through the experience sure. because it's just kind of it's all been built to naturally flow that way.
1: So how, when you decided to do this, I mean, this is a pretty niche business. How did you decide that it would be women, it would be small groups of women, it would be so highly curated? What were the, I mean, was it based on kind of, this is the experience I want to have, so I'm going to create this around what I want? Or did you do some sort of market research and say, this seems to be missing? How did you come at that very specific offering?
0: Yeah, you know, I wish I wish I could say it was because of really smart, savvy marketing research I did, but the reality is that I didn't. Like I, I started on a hunch, and it, and I felt the market kind of respond to it. I heard from a lot of women. Um, you know, I mentioned when I came back from my first solo trip, there were a couple things I knew were really important, those are the things I used to start shopping for a, a new job, a new career, and and one of those things, one of those three things, was that I wanted, I wanted the nature of what I did 60 hours a week to, to mean something. Like I wanted it to mean something to the community that I served. And, um, I early on kind of identified this community of women that I wanted to serve. And I think it has a lot to do with when I was traveling. So I kept a blog and I mentioned like, I would hear from a lot of women that would write to me and say, I want to travel, but you know, and there was always something. And, um, so I, early on, I just kind of felt like there was this audience of people, uh, specifically women that, that needed a partner to help make some of these dreams happen. Um, you know, I, I'd known from day one that I, I don't, I don't have aspirations to be the female Rick Steves. Like I, I'm not looking for a business on that huge scale and that, that also has a lot to do with kind of. Those three things like I, I want to be able to support my family and serve my community and I want to be accessible and I want to always find joy in the work. And I think if I grow to that scale, it will make it really hard for me to do some of those things. Um, and I just feel like the nature of my audience, while it is quite small and niche, it's it's something that's manageable that I can continue to serve them in the way I want to serve them and do. And I know that that will bring me a lot of joy. So I'm I'm content operating on the scale You know, not a week goes by
1: that I don't have suggestions from people about
0: you could do this and
1: you could do that. Here's how you can scale. Yeah. Yeah. No. And what's great about what you're saying and what I so appreciate it about it is that it is informed by the way you want to live. It's informed by this lifestyle that you're going after versus just the bottom line or just the opportunity. Oh, there's opportunity there. Let me go for it. And not looking back and saying, what is that opportunity? actually cost me and and what can I afford as as a human being, not just what's in the bank and can I invest in this? Um, yeah. And I think one of the unique things about female entrepreneurship on the level that we seem to be focusing on, which is not necessarily those who are seeking $20 million in venture capital, although we've had some really great stories from those women, too, um, great interviews. But for the most part, I think people or the women that are listening are really coming at this and saying, how can I do something meaningful, create an impact um, and, and, and have financial freedom, have, um, flexibility in my schedule and really have a lifestyle that feels fulfilling to me. And I think coming at it by knowing this is what I want my life to be. This is the way I want my work to affect my life is a great uh, place to start. So I really appreciate you offering that up. I had a question about, um, how do women hear about you? What's been your sort of, I mean, you've been super articulate about what it is you're doing and what it is you offer. And I feel like it's, um, it's very well packaged. Now, how do we hear about you? How do we know that you exist?
0: Well, in probably a couple different ways. Um, you know, I I have a huge kind of referral base to my business. Um, you know, often what happens is some woman's on a trip and she's posting photos on Facebook, and her I can I mean I can see it. I can see friends responding like, "Oh my gosh, how are you there? What where, how, when did that happen? You know?" And I how, yeah. how did she get tickets to that? Um, so I think a lot of it comes through just that referral word of mouth It will come through uh, social media. Um, you know, it seems like these days I'm hearing more and more women saying like, I'm Googling women's travel companies. Cause I, I think there is a huge need, um, for this kind of, uh, travel. Um, you know, also, you know, I think women hear about living big through the news or through various media outlets or blogs or things that they follow like that. Um, so it's kind of, it comes from lots of different directions and I, um, I wish I had the level of sophistication to track exactly where it comes from, but I can guarantee it's always on the first day of a trip when I always hear women chatting about like, how did you hear about this? And how did you hear about this? And, you know, sure enough, it's one of those few um, methods I just shared.
1: Yeah. With regard to um, media, because I think we hear this or we get this question a lot from small businesses in that kind of zero to five year space, like, how do I get people to hear about me? Did you DIY yourself into the hearts and minds of publicists everywhere to get that sort of coverage? <laughs> or or did you go out and, and seek um, professional help? <laughs>
0: You know, I, I did. I, I work with a wonderful team um, of women who are publicists, uh, super talented. Uh, it's the agency of Soda Pop PR. And the reason I engaged with them early on is that I think I started to recognize that people were interested in the, the larger story behind Living Big. Um, it You know, it even where that expression stems from, which is a whole other story, but um, it It comes from the heart. It's very emotional. Um, I think travel is an incredibly personal thing. I think women's uh, solo travel is even more personal. And for me, and maybe this comes from my background as a marketer, is that I just kind of observed all of this in the first year, even two years, and realized that there uh, was a, a need to share that story on a wider scale. And it it's a really hard story for me to share on my own. Like, I mean, I'm happy to answer questions and I will do that, but like, I'm not going to pitch myself. Like if you want to talk about Iceland, if you want to like, I'll, I'll talk about that all day. But when it became more obvious that this is a brand that has a story and people want to share it, I knew that um, a good place to start was to have someone help me tell that story.
1: Okay. And so, so that's why
0: like PR was a valuable resource, um, uh, a, a valuable first stop for kind of a, a for marketing,
1: and so you knew starting the business that that was a place that you wanted to invest in. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I don't mean to put you on the spot, but it's hard for mm-hmm. us to hear what you just said and not ask, "What's the story?
0: <laughs> What's the story? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> What's the story? So, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a couple stories I feel like I'll get asked um, a lot about, and some of them have to do with leaving a career, and um, and that that was super scary. I look back now at like the 27 year old version of myself and I'm like, holy crap, Mary, how did you do that? And I'm sure, you know, my parents, you know, aged a bit in the process uh, watching me do that. But, um, you know, everything from, I think like leaving my career, um, you know, the the name of the business, the living big is actually an expression that I would hear my mom say a lot growing up and, you know, it might, it would come up in, um, in this type of context, which might be the easiest way to, explore the meeting. Let's say I was like struggling over, gosh, mom, what do I study in college? Where should I start? You know, she, her, a typical response from my mother would be, you know, Mary, I, I know this is a big discussion and you have to really solve, you know, figure out what you want to do, but really at the end of the day, so long as you're living big, that's all that matters. And so the the meaning of it really, for me, has a lot to do with how anyone chooses to live their life. But you know what? If you're going to do it, like, do it with intention and do it with meaning and be thoughtful about your own life because you only got one. Mm -hmm. And so for me... the business living big is really how I am on a personal level living big. I'm doing it. I'm figuring it out and it's hard and I hustle and I like rarely have it all figured out on the first attempt. Um, but you know what, it's, it's it comes from this place of passion. And so, uh, for me, I think, um, Bringing this business here, I I hope is inspiring others to be inquisitive in their own life about what it might mean for them to live big. And I do hear that that is a dialogue that happens quite often, you know, around the dinner table, um, in the van, in the train, wherever we are on on trips. And so, um, you know, that's a story that. It's really personal for me and and i I love to share it when asked, but it's a hard, like i I would never call and pitch that on sure, my own sure. and so having a good team of people um such as soda pop to really be thoughtful about packaging that story up and helping connect ha, has helped me connect that story with the right audiences
1: i love it it's a It's a great liberty story um I, I think we're coming at both of our respective ventures from a very similar space. So I, of course, really appreciate it. Um, It's interesting to me that as a former marketing manager, which you actually still are a marketing manager, by the way, um, (laughs) within within your own business, but that as somebody who understood the value of communicating the why and the story, that that you would have a hard time with that. Is that because it's so personal and it was easier for somebody who is more objective to tell that story? Because you... You knew that it was important. You you went out and paid somebody to tell the story. Yeah,
0: I I did. I it was it was incredibly personal, and it it was it felt uncomfortable to pitch myself. Mm-hmm. Like I can pitch the business all day long. I can pitch the destinations all day long. I can pitch you know the value of women. But when people started asking me to tell the story of just starting the business and everything that happened leading up to it, uh, that's where it got a little harder. But I I realized that travel, as I mentioned, is incredibly personal and people want to know who they're traveling with and they want to know what the heart is behind the business. And I, I think that has just a lot to do with the larger like, notion of just transparency and how people spend money and how they spend their time. And so I think once I started piecing all that together, it was like, okay, you know what, there's someone who actually is the best at this and it's not me. And I'm going to let them be the best at what they do so that I can have the freedom to be, to to fully do what I want to do and not try to, like, you know, fumble through trying to tell my story this
1: way. (laughs) It's funny. It's like um, as you're articulating it, I'm thinking, gosh, I hear so many women in particular saying that. So it's the equivalent of good cop, bad cop, but it's humble cop and, like, boasting cop. Like the PR company is able to do that in a way that is – a curated story can come from an editorial piece yeah. can come from without you saying, okay, here's why I'm so awesome. Or here's why yeah. my mom just... like really informed this. <laughs> and, and so I completely understand. And I think there are many of um, our listeners who will be nodding when they hear you say that, yeah. like, Oh my gosh, I know it's so true. It's hard for me to talk about myself or it's hard for me, even though I know that story is true and it's important and it needs to be told. It's hard for me to be the one to tell it. So I, I, Again, I think as you say these things, you're giving us permission to to kind of join in with you and say, yes, that's that's an issue for me as well. Thanks for giving me a way out of that. Yeah.
0: Well, and you know, the other thing I think just about marketing early on is because because I did this full time for brands and at a brand and at an agency before, I had the pleasure of working with really smart, savvy people and. I knew early on that um, if this business is gonna grow, if it's going to thrive, and I mean really even from day one get off the ground, I I needed to know when it when I hit my limit. Like I you know, I, I know enough to like direct the ship, I know enough to know when I need to bring people in, but it's not some of these these individual marketing channels are not my expertise. And so it's been such a joy to, to bring in so much talent. And, and I'll be honest, a lot of them are women. I think that's because that's my community, but, you know, working with like designers and social media strategists. And, um, you know, I, I today work with like a, a paid, uh, paid social advertising consultant and working with women uh, in the PR space and designing a website. And it's been amazing to kind of have this virtual team of really smart women that are all having a chance to kind of bring their natural gift and expertise yeah. to life to, all as a part of the vehicle of like propel living big to big's mission. So, um, It's, it's just been, it's been a very cool thing. And I think as an entrepreneur, find like identifying early on where my limits are and that this isn't, no, this isn't a function of of me limiting myself or, you know, not doing the things I could probably figure out. It's like, let me just bring in more, more women who can bring their magic to, to really make this thing thrive.
1: Yeah. That's a, it's a good lesson for all of us. Um, and something good for you to remind us of, um, so you kind of just touched on it a little bit, like really spreading, spreading the responsibility of the mission of Living Big by hiring these other people. But what, if, what would you say has been the hardest part to date of launching this business? And now that you're more established, what's the hardest part of kind of the day-to-day running of the business?
0: Well, probably the hardest part since launching it is letting go. And you know, I think I referred to the business as my baby early on, which is true. It's it's just been something I've I've labored over. I have worked on it, you know, sixteen hours a day. It's something that's always on my mind. And I think probably about a year and a half ago, I started realizing that if this is truly going to be something that continues to serve and support women, it can't just be me. And, um, it's, I think that's something that probably every entrepreneur goes through as they start to think about building out their team, especially a team that delivers such a personal service that, um, that we do here and especially on the hosting side. So that was probably the hardest thing. It's like, how do I mentally get past it? And because in my mind, it, then some of my work shifts to, um, training and, um, just doing something like figuring out how to articulate like my style and the way I host and the way I produce so that other women can, um, kind of carry that torch so that we can offer more trips. And so that was probably for me just personally, that was a really hard, um, gate to pass through. But now that I am on the other side and in the thick of training, it is surprisingly like one of the, the biggest joys is to watch other women, um, who want to get into this business, um, have an organization to join to help bring their dreams of hosting and traveling and inspiring women to life. Um, so that was probably, yeah, the hardest one for sure.
1: And then the, in the day-to-day, is, is it, can, does it continue to be that thing in the day-to-day? Well, in the
0: day-to-day, the hardest thing is, I think, just the volume of work. And that's, that's
1: probably true for all of us. Like, you know,
0: we're always juggling a million things. Um, and so just keeping up with the volume, uh, especially for a, d- a business that relies on uh, just it's a very high touch. It's very personal. Everything's customized. I work with each vendor on a one-to-one basis because that's just connected to the brand and how I like to do work. And so, you know, as you add more trips, as you add more hosts, as you start taking on more custom, you know, travel design projects, there's just a higher level of details and, and balls in the air. And so... On a daily basis, I'm just trying to make sure balls aren't dropping. Yeah. <laughs> At least I can you <laughs> know, put them are. on a the shelf for a minute. So I'll come back to you on Saturday morning. Yes. <laughs> um,
1: tell me when you've perfected that. Well, <laughs> yeah, the I know. Next I'm podcast. always looking for expertise. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to transition us a little bit into sure? kind of picking your brain around how do you do it um, and kind of gleaning what we can from... Uh, you know, your starting of your business all the way to the, the daily running of the business. And you, you've said and you articulated so well that you built this business around this mantra of, of living big. For those of us who are thinking about that, whether it's we're testing out curiosities and we're, we're exploring or we really are, we've identified what we're passionate about and we want to build, what, what would you say is a good starting point
0: the best starting point is to begin to become a start becoming aware with the elements of your life that bring you the most joy and that can come from things you're doing with your friends with your family at work like what are the things that you do that don't feel like work what are the things that are happening in every day that bring a smile what are the nature of the conversations that you're having that you feel like you could just talk for hours and hours and 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 really start to catalog that because I what I learned from my mentor um, her name is Susan she runs a program called Heart Spark. is that the answer those observations are what she would call your success patterns Mm -hmm. and they're the things that you do they're the way you're part of situations or the other people you're with that bring out the best version of you into the world and so you know on a most simple level Susan would charge everyone with well Don't worry so much about figuring out what you're passionate about. Let's figure out how to get your success patterns to show up more frequently on a daily basis. Um, And so I would always encourage people to start there, start cataloging those success patterns and then start taking inventory of like, how how can you kind of make some pivots in your life so that those success patterns are more apparent in the world? Um, Sometimes that sounds like really lofty. So just as an example that might help illustrate it. um, When I started doing that for myself, a lot of my success patterns had to do with um, how I could effort like I loved hosting events for my friends. I loved that a friend would challenge me with, "Oh my God, let's do this new dinner party series!" And like you know, in 24 hours, I would have the bones of it sorted out. I would know the who, the where, the why, and the how, and you know how it's all going to be communicated. And I loved it. I started thriving doing that. Um, I also loved the fact that I could take something really messy and find ways to make it effortlessly for people to participate. Um, and that was happening sometimes at work, you know, sometimes in personal life, but as I started taking inventory of it, it became easier for me to begin to see those patterns. And so as I started looking at building a business, um, I was looking for ways for those patterns to also be a part of it. So yeah, if you know your passion, that's great, but like figure out what specifically it is that you're doing while those passions are kind of thriving that bring out the best version of you.
1: That's a great exercise and one I don't think we've we've heard anybody mention. So thanks for that and thanks for is it Susan? Yeah, thanks, Susan Clark Susan. with Park. <laughs> Such um, a smart woman. We'll we will be um, listing out all the show notes, uh, everything from your URL to some of these other things that you're mentioning. So we'll definitely list uh, list out. Susan's information, because I think that kind of thing would be really helpful for a lot of our listeners. And again, I like that it's such a practical tool. It's such a great takeaway. Just do these things. And again, back to the conversation of let's just shelve this idea of passion. It can be overwhelming for some. Not everyone has identified that. So then how do we know what to what to move forward with if we are yeah. in fact thinking about entrepreneurship as a as a path for us and I think that that was a very practical illustration of what we should do so thanks for not only setting it up but then giving us the example that was great so There are people that are going to be listening to this and they're going to say, oh my gosh, I want to do what Mary's doing. I want to set up a travel-based business of some sort. Of course, they (laughs) won't copy you because they've got to come up with their own (laughs) differentiator. But... What are the things that you would say, "Hey, if you're this kind of person, this is a great idea, but if you're this kind of person, perhaps the travel world is not really your thing."
0: Well, I think there are so many different ways you can be in the travel industry. It's a huge market, and I would encourage anyone to start by finding a way to get yourself in the industry. So whether that means, you know, you go to travel industry conferences, maybe you start joining your local travel massive group, Um, see if you can get internships or job shadow or start reading the blogs and, you know, following and just begin to imagine and pretend how you could show up in all those different roles. And, you know, if you've done that first exercise, if you know your success patterns and use that kind of as your North Star, I think, to navigate where it makes sense for you to fit. But um, I think it's really important for people who aspire to be in the travel world to understand it's not all about travel. And I know that sounds so Debbie Downer, so forgive me, but you know, like I I am on the road a lot, so I'm gone quite a bit, but it's, you know, if I had to break it down, I'd say actual traveling is probably 25% of what I do. A lot of it is, is managing, coordinating and communicating and marketing and, you know, the the finances behind it. And so, I mean, there's also a lot there. And so I, I think people need to spend some time kind of shopping around so that, They're not disillusioned to what it actually means to be in the travel industry.
1: And I think that's the case for most entrepreneurial endeavors. You come at it saying, I'm really excited about this, or I really love you know, baking cupcakes. And then you realize that when you open the cupcake shop, that that's a really small yeah. portion of what you end up doing. <laughs> yeah. And you you don't get to decorate them, you know, with yep. music playing in the background and putting sprinkles on each cupcake. It's yep. somebody else you gets for about to five do that. Minutes yeah. you,
0: you do the numbers and realize, oh, this is never going to, yeah. how am I going to pay the lights? <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. Exactly. So I think that's just, um, that's good information for anybody to go into their respective endeavor with. that be clear that you will be doing that, but you, you might be running that sort of business, but you may not be the person that's doing that. As you said, more than 25% of the time. And in some cases at all, and in some cases yeah. you hand that all over altogether. It depends. Um, so you've talked a little bit about the, um, coming from the marketing background and really kind of understanding the importance of telling the story and public relations. And you've talked about differentiating yourself by even just using the term travel design from, um, from what we would normally identify as a travel agent. Tell us how you came to that piece of it. A lot of us are listening, trying to understand how do we differentiate ourselves as a brand? And so you've given us the the backstory, the, the, again, the, the, the marketing, the PR story, but, but how have you said in your practical, in the, in, in the way that the, uh, a consumer experiences you, how have you differentiated yourself from a travel agent? And I'm talking specifically with, tra- about travel design and the hosted adventures. I think that's very clear. But what have you done to support all that marketing and all that storytelling in the in the day-to-day work? There's a really long way of asking that question. Sorry. No,
0: no, it's a it's a good question. I appreciate it because um it was probably the most complex part of the company to market because essentially I'm 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 aiming to change consumers' perception about their probably their initial perception about what the service is. So, you know, if if I were to go back to, you know, uh Business school, they would probably say like this is the the biggest hurdle to cross because a consumer comes in and they already have in their mind what they think it is that you mm-hmm. do, and then before we've even talked, I'm gonna just like scramble all that up, and so it's in some ways it's like you know the the anti marketing, um, but it was really important for me to go there to handle the messy scramble, um, because if I wanted to offer the service, which, which I did, I knew that it it had to be done in a different way. Otherwise I knew that I would enjoy it. I, I would burn out from it. The clients probably wouldn't get that great of an experience. Um, so for me kind of finding a way to pivot that brand was super important from day one. So the way that it kind of practically happens is, you know, travel design work generally comes from referral. Um, and it's somebody at a dinner party over coffee, cocktails with girlfriends saying, oh my God, I want to go on this trip, but, and it's normally like, I feel like the calm things I hear, I don't have time to plan like, Oh my God, the internet's a great resource, but it's so overwhelming. I don't even know where to start or, Oh my gosh, if I have to be the person in charge of vacation again for my eight friends for annual trip, like I'm just not going to do it. Um, and so normally that referral will come from saying like, I want to introduce you to this company living big and the owner, Mary, and you know, they, they help solve all those things for me on my trip. And so it always begins with a phone call and, um, it's, it's super personal because it's you know I, I don't I don't um, hire out for a lot of this work I, I love doing it um, myself and so we'll hop on the phone and just try to get an understanding of what it is that that client needs help with like I said they're generally women so you know we'll have a really honest chat about what is what is between where we are today and that vacation is it time is it resources is it knowledge is it just all of the angst that comes with, you know, planning a family reunion. Um, and so after kind of hearing it and understanding it, then I kind of walk through how I could step in to help support them. And so that, that's kind of how I, how I built this service. Um, it is very different, um, because traditionally a travel agent, uh, will make their income off of commissions and sometimes service fees, but generally commissions that they will get from the properties or the, um, companies that they then book their clients at. But for me, that was never a viable option because I felt like that would limit me from planning travel the way that I like to plan travel, um, which is completely based on, um, what that client needs. Like, like right now I'm working with an amazing client. She's on her first solo trip. It's about three months in Europe. And she, what she values is having a, per, a partner to help plan it and to do the things that really overwhelm her. That's the huge barrier. But, you know, she's fine staying in hostels, like she's fine writing second class. And so, you know, those aren't things that you get commissioned from, sure. but, um, it doesn't really matter in that scenario, you know, because the, the, the revenue model is just based on a, a fee based, that's correlated to the number of elements of the trip that I'm planning.
1: Got it. So if we were to call you, and by the way, the, the, the travel design doesn't have to be for a group of women. That can be for anything, a family, it can be anything. It can be anything. Yep. Okay. I've done family reunions. I've done honeymoons. I do um, the whole a lot thing. of
0: couple trips. I do solo trips. Yeah. It's okay. kind of what, any traveler.
1: Okay. So now I'm going to go back to the hosted adventures and and have a question there. So for those people listening, we have to imagine that you're in this situation because you're you know, crafting this this adventure and curating this whole situation for these women to have this fabulous time, and they don't know each other. Maybe one or two of them do, but for the most part, they don't know each other. What is the selection process of saying to a group of women, yes— you're going to participate in this one, whether it's uh, the specific trip or the specific group of people. Because as a business, you want to just say yes to the customer that's asking, hey, can I go? How do you screen them to know that they're going to be a, a good yeah. a good travel partner?
0: Chemistry is so important. And um, so that I have, I mean, I I, I hate to use the word screen. Oh, uh, that's, my but I, that's my word. That's my word. Sorry. Yeah, you can use I, it because I, I said. I I have a phone conversation with every woman before they sign up for a hosted adventure. And so the way that works is if you were to go on to the website, let's say you see a, a trip you want to join on, maybe it's the Canadian Rockies. Um, as far as you can get on the main website is requesting a spot. And so essentially that triggers the email to me. And then I schedule a phone call um, with, with um, each woman and, and really spend some time just getting to know them. Mm-hmm. Like I want to understand their life and kind of what's prompting them to have interest in this trip. Um, it's important for me to share the story of Living Big and also the culture of the company and the style of travel. Um, and so we go over that because I, I want to make sure that if they're, if any woman's joining for a trip, they are going to get what they're looking for a vacation to give them. And if living big isn't the right match for them, I'm happy to refer them elsewhere, but I, I want to know that I that I will be able to deliver on what it is they're looking for. And so a lot of that comes down to the nature of how much group time, the degree of inclusivity, the uh, types of activities. Um, the range of personalities. Um, I can generally kind of gauge whether or not we're, we're jiving and whether or not sure. we're on the same page. Um, and then I also really go over all details of the itinerary. I want to make sure they understand what all the physical requirements are. I want to make sure they understand the modes of transportation, that they feel comfortable, whether it's train travel, riding in small planes, being on a boat, um, riding in the van for a couple hours. And um, I also like to make sure they understand that every woman shares a room with someone else, Mm -hmm. um, which for some people is like a a big thing. Um, You know, a lot of companies will offer single supplements. I don't because I think it's a big part of women kind of just forming bonds with each other. And
1: it's part of your offering. That's, that's part of, yeah, it's it's just a
0: a part of a a huge part of the culture of living big. And um, so I always like to make sure people understand that. And you know, the best clients are the women who are, they hear that and they're like, yes, like yeah. that's the kind of experience I want. And I want them to show up feeling like, feeling so excited because they vet the company, they understand the host, like they know the itinerary. And th- and that's
1: really where I think they have the most fun. They're ready to receive it. Do you ever have a situation where they're saying yes, and you're saying no? And how do you kind of say, maybe this isn't a good fit?
0: Uh, it, you know, it's happened once or twice, but it's generally ended up where um, a woman will will opt out of, of completing her registration because she, I, yeah I think she recognized it's probably just not the type of trip that she's looking it's not for. A good fit. Yeah. And, you know, i I fortunate I haven't had to, like, directly say no to anyone before because right. I've normally kind of been able to manage around it. But at the end of the day, like, I would because I recognize um, the incredible opportunity it is that, you know, 12 women have committed their vacation time and their vacation budget and time away from their work and family to join on a trip. And, like, there's no way in hell I'm going to let someone spoil that sure. for the rest of them. Sure.
1: So it sounds like the takeaway for the listener is – if you have something that requires this sort of personality assessment or something where you're saying, okay, that person isn't really a great fit, and specifically that's going to affect my other customers, that it's good to just have some one-on-one time or at least have somebody who's, again, this is just, we're just being very, um, we're not being diplomatic here. We're just calling it what it is. But Mm -hmm. having somebody to sort of vet them to say, this is what we do. This is, you know, creating clear expectations of what the company can offer and then hoping in that process of getting to know them and hearing their responses that you can find ways to um, politely say no or to, to help them better understand if this is perhaps not a fit for them. I mean, I think that's what I'm hearing is that yep. you're really taking one-on-one time. And so I think that's the takeaway for our listener. Now, when you, you talked earlier about your team, your team of virtual women, sounds like for the most part, that are helping you with website building, with branding, with um, design, with social media, both buying and, uh, you know, ad buying and public relations. How do you sort of identify this is the kind of person I want to work with uh or, or f- for living big like I want them to be as a as a contractor even not not an employee I want this person to work uh, on this team on this team that I'm expanding and growing what are you looking for in these people
0: I'm looking for women that are excited by the mission I'm looking for women that are ex- you know, just frankly excited to move it forward. And, um, I'm I'm always looking for creativity. I love supporting women who are solopreneurs like me that are building businesses based on kind of their natural strengths and curiosities and skill Uh, I'm, I'm looking for women who are willing to kind of sit in the trenches with me and hold hands and say, I don't know, let's figure it out. Um, that's a lot of (laughs) how I feel like this has come together. Um, you know, I, I'm, I generally will kind of shy away from something that feels like uber polished and salesy. And, you know, I, you don't I, like that. Don't know, you know, I don't know. You know, I come from, uh, I come from Portland, you know, we yeah. do things always a little different here. Like I like casual, I like accessibility, like by all means, yes, let's move our call to, you know, a FaceTime chat because, you know, you gotta, you gotta pick your kids up from school. Like sure. I, I appreciate and respect women who support women and in, in, um, you know the the nature of our kind of chaotic full lives and so i'm always drawn to women that i think can jam on that with me
1: is that the same for the hosts the other hosts that you pick to work in your company is that this are you looking for the same sort of thing or is there something more specific
0: well it's always it's a very different skill set um you know for the trip host that's i really think it's one of the hardest roles i've ever played because you are you know 50% producer you've you've got to understand you know, how to, how to work with vendors, how to think three days ahead, you know, does this chef remember that I have two shellfish allergies? You know, what am I gonna do if it's raining? You know, you're, you're constantly like, your brain is just constantly spinning. Sure. Um, but then, you know, it's also 50%. It's completely different skill set of, of the human side of the work. I was going to say, everything. there's got to be
1: some therapist. In oh, there somewhere.
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, because you've got so many different personalities, like all these women show up, they see the world through a very different lens than the other women. Um, and you are with them during a really personal and and sometimes vulnerable experience. You know, it's, you know, I get a lot of like, gosh, this is the first time I've uh, been away from work and oh my God, like I'm questioning my own value or is the work going to be able to continue without me? Like I see that happening a lot. I see a lot of like, oh my gosh, this is the first time I've, my husband's been in charge of the kids. (laughs) <laughs> on his own. Like, right. are the, is, you know, is the roof going to stay up? Um, yeah. You know, I, you know, I get a lot of women also that come to a trip where they, you know, will tell me stories about, you know, they were at their kid's soccer practice and they kind of felt mom shamed by other women that, oh, it must be so nice. You get to travel and blah, blah, blah. You know, and so, yeah, you're, you're kind of the, you're intercepting a lot of that. At the same time, they are trying to, figure out this new culture. They maybe haven't shared a room with someone in two decades that they don't know, you know, so there's just a lot of that's going on. So you got to be able to kind of be there, um, be there to catch all of that and to help them work through it. And, you know, by no means are we, you know, therapists or anything, but you know, you just you got to be human. You sure. got to be sensitive so and and be there
1: to support. I would imagine that vetting process is a, is a little more um robust than it is for somebody <laughs> is. who's designing your logo. Not that that's not really meaningful work, but that's that's really the crux of your business and your offering and yep. these hosted destinations are all about really who that person is that's taking The charge or the lead. So I can imagine that's, that's some, that's some hardy work, um, to find those people.
0: You know, all of the women who host, um, especially the international host, they all join me on a trip first. And so, um, like I was in Italy in September and Nusha, you know, she took time out of her life to come and learn and to be there on the ground and to see, you know, what those 18 hour days look like and to see how I prep each day and process each day. And, um, she is now hosting that trips and um, starting in the September and, and she's there on the ground to meet the vendors and to understand the flow. And so, you know, they, it's a, it's a big time commitment. It's a, it's a big learning curve. Um, and it's a pretty big, you know, training experience. Um, and at the end of it, you know, i I tell all the hosts at the end of it, you could tell me, Oh my gosh, this is not for me. Or I might have to say, I don't think this is for you. Um, and, But they're all comfortable with that. Most of the women I work with, they're all kind of lady bosses and professional nomads in their own right, and they are, you know, juggling lots of things. I mean, I I think I'm just attracted to that type of personality, um, but they all they all have to share that passion to sure. kind of open the world up to curious women.
1: So with a, an 18-hour day comes the need to be organized and have some resources and tools that you're sort of working with to keep yourself in check and to keep the trip going as planned. What are some things that you or even some of your other hosts might uh, have used in the past or do you guys use on a day-to-day basis in terms of resources? And again, it can be something that's pen to paper or an app that you use or a third party platform that kind of makes life easier?
0: We, I think we all live and breathe in Google drive. Um, it's how we share, it's how we collaborate, it's how we comment. Um, it's when I'm on the road, I can access it from my phone just as easily as I can from my computer. So I would say that's probably the number one tool And that's everything from docs and sheets and, you know, all of the, all of the um, the services they have, all All the the things, all the
1: Google things, (laughs) all
0: the Google. Gosh, darn it. The Google is that great. Um, And so that's probably the number one uh, program that we all use. And then, but then we're all kind of different. You know, I have some hosts that, you know, use paper and pen a little bit more and they, they print things. I tend to not print as much stuff. Um, I have some hosts that, you know, thrive in, in Dropbox um, and, you know, some use text messages and, you know, we're in touch as they're hosting a lot. So it kind of just depends. It's the personality of the host. You know, I have some tools that uh, I use, but, you know, every, every host works a little bit different.
1: Any of those tools um, specific to travel that you can tell us about? You know,
0: I, I wish I could say I use a, a, there's a lot of great resources out there, but I, I tend to kind of stick. To some non-travel industry tools. And
1: I feel terrible saying that, but that's kind of where I found a good rhythm. Um, all right, Mary, what parting entrepreneurial advice do you have for our listeners?
0: What I would say to any aspiring entrepreneur is take some time early on to figure out what the heck brings you A lot of joy and it's not just like a little joy it's so much joy that you're willing to get yourself out of bed at five in the morning that you're willing to work through the really messy tangly parts of things that you don't know anything about but are critical to your dream coming to life and and really take some time to practice and imagine and pretend and to test it and see if you really like it and if if what you're doing passes all those tests then just be ready to go big. Because if you've got kind of that that passion, those skills, that's all like operating as wind at your sails, there's really nothing that can get between you
1: and seeing that dream come to life. I love that. I think you need to plan a trip with, we could do like a Liberty trip and then we need to have, um, remind me your mentor's name, Susan Clark. Susan Clark. She, I mean, come on, <laughs> sign me up.
0: You know, we've schemed on it before, so it's, we'll see if I can uh, tell us, tell us when that happens.
1: We'd love, we'd love to be a part of that. So we do this, um, quick little thing that we call our quick six. It's just a way for our audience to further get to know you. So I'm going to ask you a few questions and just whatever comes to mind, give me that answer. So do you prefer a nine to five or a flex schedule? Oh, flex schedule for sure. (laughs) We have to add up how many people have ever said nine to five (laughs) because I don't think it's very many. Um, And do you prefer vacationing in the mountains or on the beach? Always the mountains. Always. Oh, wow. Do we have a lot of that? No. Um, And then working- Just join me in Switzerland once and then I feel like everybody will will say mountains. We'll change our minds. Okay. (laughs) Um, Do you like working from an office or a home office? Home office. Okay. And do you actually work from a home office? I do. Okay.
0: Yep. I normally start my day like 5 or 5.30. So if I had to like get dressed before that hour and leave my house, there's no way. (laughs) It's way. too much. Um, Never.
1: And then a team or working alone? I love working
0: with a team, but I generally do work alone from my home office. But every now and then I'll I'll kind of
1: schedule a coffee shop meetup. Yeah. Just to get yourself out of your pajamas? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Remind <laughs> myself of
0: like, oh, that's what I look like with Mexican I know. Wow. It's a
1: force a shower. Wow. Um, and then I always say this is the hardest question: Do you prefer Thai or Mexican food?
0: Oh, Mexican all day, every day, three sixty-five days a year.
1: Okay, we don't get that kind of answer no. from Portland. We get that answer from Texas and California. That's so good. That's awesome. Oh my gosh, I love it.
0: I, I literally just before we called, I was researching cooking programs in Oaxaca, Mexico, and
1: I was like drooling. Like oh, drooling. Okay, everywhere. but you're now that's like a whole other level. That's like that's next <laughs> level Mexican. And then, you know, this this podcast is called Liberty Sessions. Our company is called Liberty. Our URL is Liberty for her. There's something about mm-hmm. that word that's really meaningful for us. And the intention is we want to help liberate women through pursuing what they feel called to do and meaningful work. What does it mean for you to be liberated, Mary?
0: I think for me, being liberated is the flexibility to chase something I'm passionate about every day and knowing that every day I get to decide what my days look like. And so if that passion changes, I get to decide.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. And I think one that a lot of women are in pursuit of and um, and we hope to help them along the way and with stories like yours and people encouraging them the way you are, I think we can. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for... Um, telling us your story. And I have a sense that you'll be getting some uh, Liberty listeners calling in wondering if they can you can fit them into your next trip. It's, <laughs> um, it's exciting. The work you're doing is exciting. And um, I think it's really cool that you're creating that sort of space for women to consider their own possibilities. So thank you for the work that you do, Mary.
0: Well, thank you very much. It's been an honor to be with you guys today. And I just appreciate the opportunity to
1: share the story. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Liberty listeners, we will talk to you guys next week. See you later. Bye. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms: Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty for her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Wyndham and music by Jordan flower.